Today's episode is brought to you by Docent. Docent simplifies the experience of discovering new artists and collecting art. No one wants to live with stark white walls, but knowing where and how to buy art can be overwhelming. Docent helps you find conversation-starting, one-of-a-kind artwork without any of the stuffiness the art world can be known for. With a roster full of female artists, transparent pricing to satisfy any budget, and zero intimidation, Docent believes everyone can and should be able to enjoy art in their home. New art drops each week at Shop docent.com and their holiday gift shop launches November 7th with pieces from artists across the world. Visit shopdocent.com and follow along at shopdocent on Instagram and TikTok for more. Plus, Docent is offering HSDT listeners 15% off their orders through the end of the year. Use code HSDT15 at checkout. Be sure to thank them for today's episode. podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the podcast. Happy Friday. This is our second episode this week. Of course, you guys were able to see that Gray Hall Design joined us on Tuesday. And then last week we had Amanda Jones Vaughn on the podcast. It continues to be so much fun to share new women week after week, two and a half years in. It's such a treat and um, by far my favorite thing to do. Well, I'm really eager to introduce you all to today's guest. Miriam and Kim, the founders of Power Woman. But before we dive in, I wanted to extend a very special welcome, not only to first-time listeners of the podcast, I'm so happy that you're here, but also to Kim and Miriam's family members who might be listening in Mexico or in Colombia. Welcome, hola, so happy that you all are here. The ladies mention you in today's episode quite a few times, so it's very special to think of you all tuning in. In. Well, before we dive into that conversation with Kim and Miriam, I wanted to share a few quick updates in regard to HSDT, the podcast. Many of you who have been listening from the very beginning know that I have so enjoyed sharing how the podcast is becoming a business, the many different steps it's taken along the way, the twists and the turns. We used to do so on Emily Updates, where I would share on the podcast, and we have since moved that over to a new platform over on Patreon.com slash how'd she do that and we have so much more going on over there than we have in the past which is really exciting for $7.99 a month you guys can support the podcast and you also receive five additional episodes we're even doing vlogs video blogs so last weekend we were in Malibu we did a hike and at each mile marker I shared an upcoming podcast guest and of course Patreon is going to get to know what's coming up before everybody else I have listeners who love Patreon and watch and listen to every episode over there, as well as our Tuesday episodes. And then I also have ladies who've touched in and said, I don't necessarily watch everything, but I just want to support uh, for $7.99 a month. I want to see the podcast continue to grow. So whichever camp you fall into, Patreon is a great place to join us, patreon.com slash how'd she do that. And of course, if you haven't left us a five-star review on iTunes, that would be another awesome 
option to support the podcast. Well, you guys, I'm ready for you to hear more about Kim and Miriam, their incredible friendship, their story. This is an episode you're really going to enjoy. Here is Kim and Miriam on How'd She Do That? Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Kimberly Borges and Miriam McDonald, are the founders of Power Women. Power Women was created by the two best friends as they wanted a simple thing, pockets in their blazers. They grew tired of never having the tools they needed to be 100% ready for business at all times because they never had the pockets for those specific tools. They wanted clothes that helped them portray themselves like the power women they are, but also helped them close the deal because they were ready to do so. So they created Power Women. Their clothes don't hide your femininity to make you look strong or businesslike. They highlight the strength it brings to the table, and the extra pockets don't hurt either. When the ladies aren't designing new pieces, encouraging women like myself, or connecting with clients, they are likely enjoying time outside, visiting local breweries, and spending time with their families. Kimberly and Miriam, welcome to How'd She Do That? Hi. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Oh my goodness, ladies. This has been a long time coming. We were chatting a little bit before um, we started recording, but I just wanted to thank you both immensely. You guys are longtime listeners. So to welcome you on today, it's such a treat. I know. Yeah. We've been sliding into your DMs for like a year. <laughs> we, I've like waited a while. I was like, okay, we're literally no one. We can't be like, we can't just be hitting up Emily to be like, what are we going to talk about? And then I was like, no, I got things to, I got things to say. <laughs> yes. And I can already tell I'm, I'm so excited to get to know you both better. And you, even before we started recording, you mentioned a few things. I'm like, Ooh, I can't wait for listeners to learn this about you both. So let's dive in. Let's dive in. I'm eager to hear hear about both of you. Uh, perhaps we hear a little bit more about where you both are from and and ultimately what did kind of post-grad, what, what did this season of life look like for you? Um, so I was actually born in Mexico. I lived in Mexico until I was 10. And then my family and I moved to Houston. Um, so that's where I grew up, went to high school. And then when I graduated, I went to Texas A&M. And then that's where I met Kim, actually our freshman year in college. Um, she was sweet mates with my best friends. Mm-hmm. So we always like hung out. What We weren't like, I wouldn't say like we were best friends in college. Like I would say we were more like acquaintances. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. We were the same group. Yeah. <laughs> and Kim, what about you? So I, same, same, similar story as Miriam. I came into the U.S. I was born in the U.S., but my mom is from Colombia. So we went right back to Colombia after I was born. And then in 1997, when I was seven years old, I moved uh, to the U.S. with my mom and my stepdad. And we moved to Knoxville, Tennessee. And then we moved to the Bronx, New York, which remains one of my, like, I feel like it's the place where I was able to flourish the most and connect with myself the most. It has beautiful memories for me. And then we moved to Dallas, Texas. And then I went to Texas A&M, again, where I met Miriam and where I met my husband. And after that, I went to medical school for a little bit, ran out of money. And uh, luckily, Miriam was around and Miriam was doing really great in her career. And um, the so after college, how we got really close was we had a bachelor party to go to and I ran out of money. I was at negative money in my bank account. And I was like, Miriam, I can't go to this bachelorette with you. Like, I think you were like, crowd, like couch surfing. I was couch surfing. Yeah. Yeah. I had no 
nothing. And I mean, and I say this so honestly, like, I mean, nothing. I had the clothes on my back mm-hmm. and Mary was like, don't worry about it. I will cover you. I'll pay for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's rich. <laughs> <laughs> and so on this trip, the, we were in Austin and the captain of our boat, I don't know what happened to him, but he was like, I can't, he might've been a little drunk, but he couldn't drive the boat. Something <laughs> happened, something weird. And my husband and uh, our best friend was in town and he has a boating license. So he was driving the boat. And while he was driving the boat, Jack was eavesdropping as he likes to do on girl talk. And he was listening to Miriam talk about her job and how well she was doing. And he was like, you need to apply immediately. And so Miriam essentially got me my first job at Sewell selling cars. And she's the reason I was able to own everything eventually, every, anything eventually. <laughs> well, that's a good friend. And right off the bat, mm-hmm. it's fun to hear the the connects and even your, both of your experiences in moving to the U S and, and um, being born here, but then having that experience as well, Kim in Columbia mm-hmm. and so encouraged. And so um, just quick side note that the Bronx is really a great memory for you and in, in your mm-hmm. upbringing and that that's a key part of your story as well. So, Absolutely. okay. I love it. I love the back. Background. I love getting to know that your friendship was blossomed in Miriam's generosity. Thank you, Miriam, by the way. <laughs> I did pay her back eventually. Oh, did, yeah. She was a first. I was like, I just, that was so generous of you. Thank you again for letting me go to the bedroom. Like, oh, that, is, that is so sweet. I mean, that's so cool to think about. And then, yeah, for Jack to be listening and thinking, okay, this needs to be a part of your next step. Mm-hmm. So tell us about that specific role that you both were in at the time. What does that even look like to step into that role? Hmm. Into, into, into car sales. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so I actually, gra- I didn't graduate from sales. I mean, neither of us did. Um, what do you had, mean? Like we didn't go to college for sales. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah. there's like school for sales. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I guess yeah. so. Huh? Yeah. 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 We didn't. What did you do in college? You did HR. HR yeah. I, I did I, history. I, yeah. So I worked in HR right after college oh. and I lost my job in 2013 because of the oil in Houston. You know, when there's no jobs, you don't need recruiters. Mm-hmm. So I called my friend Allison and I said, hey, I just lost my job. And she was the one that referred me to to this role. And at first I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this for a year. Um, I don't want to work at a car dealership, but I need money. So mm-hmm. that's, how, that's how I got in. But once like being there and like learning the culture and like making friends and just realizing that I like really, really loved sales, mm-hmm. which is something that I always like pushed away. I know. Right. Yeah. Um, I just ended up liking it. And I mean, I've been there for seven years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still there. I mean, <laughs> car sales is really interesting because it's a love hate relationship. Like I also really enjoy sales. It's, I love the, it's like the hunt. The hunt is really exciting, mm-hmm. but I think, more than anything, we were lucky enough to be placed in a company that was really adamant about customer service. Yes. Like first and foremost, above all else, they wanted each of your customers to have a type, the type of experience to where if they were going to buy another car, they did not have another option other than to go to Sewell because they were just like, mm-hmm. I'm never going to have a bad experience ever again while buying a car. And that was ingrained on, in us since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that was our favorite part. Like for me, um, after a sale of a cut, like when a customer bought a car, I would go all out because you, you could expense everything. And they did tell us like a little budget, but I was like, I ain't got no budget. I, I'm going to do whatever <laughs> I want. So I would go all out on my customers. I would get them the coolest presents and just really celebrate their experience getting, you know, a beautiful car and celebrate their success. And, 
those were those were the moments that made sales worth it for me because car sales is brutal. Yeah, like no mm-hmm. one likes to go. No one likes to buy a car. Like mm-hmm. they'll tell you that. Like they dread that. They walk in angry. They walk yeah. in mad. They they're already yes. thinking you're lying to them, and yes. so you have to break down a lot of walls. Yeah. And and sometimes you know people can be kind of mean, especially when it comes to money. Um, and so the balance of that, where the customers that were kind yeah. and where became our friends and whose experience, you know, we always brought the best experience for each of our customers, but there are certain customers that were so special to us and it made sales a lot easier w- working with those customers a hundred percent. And those are the memories that are ingrained in me when I reach back and think about sales, especially mm-hmm. car sales, which is mm-hmm. no cakewalk. I mean, six days a week, 11 right. hours a day sometimes like you don't get like, you don't get many holidays. So when your friends are out celebrating on a Saturday, having brunch, you're at work. You know? Yes. No matter whose birthday it is, you're at work. <laughs> yes. Yes. Weddings. Oh, mm-hmm. Well, and two, to your point, I mean, that's a really large purchase to be involved in, in someone's mm-hmm. life. That's mm-hmm. not something that's happening every day. So I love to right. hear that you both were really honing in on the customer service side of things. And I, I would guess perhaps joining, uh, enjoying working together. Are you guys at the same dealership at this point? Yes. So we were at the same dealership for what, three years? Two four, years. Two years? Mm-hmm. Okay. Only okay. Two years. Who, who ended the two years? I moved to Dallas um, okay. after the two years. My husband found a job after his master's in Dallas. And luckily, Sewell originated. Well, I guess it didn't originate in Dallas, but it is. Yeah, no, it didn't. Yeah, it I thought it originated in some other town. Okay, Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, so it was easy for me to transfer over here. Um, but I would say at work, we're very, I think we're kind of different because, like, I'm very much like, I get distracted super easily. So at work, I was like, no one look at me, no one talk to me. And like, even I'm so so cheap. I refused to go to lunch. I would drive home to eat every day. And Miriam was like, I ain't got time for that. Like I'm going to go get lunch. So we would see each other mainly after work and on the weekends. Yeah. Even though we worked like 50 feet apart. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, and two, I I can relate to that. I would definitely be the one driving home. My husband would be hosting a lunch. I'm like, go home. We have food at home to eat. (laughs) I can definitely definitely relate. (laughs) But I'm so curious because at some point in this story, and you guys are going to have to direct me in, in the direction that this is, you guys kind of look at each other and think that there's something brewing between the two of you to, to do a business. Did, did the idea come first or did hopefully working together again come first? I think the idea, well, so the idea was Kim's idea. And I remember we were visiting, we were, we were in Dallas. I don't know what we were here for, but like training, it was car training. Yeah. The car was coming out. Yeah. XT4, I think it was. Yeah. So I was in Dallas and my husband was here and uh, Kim was still working for Sewell, but she was working at the Dallas store and I was working at the Sewell store. I mean, at the Houston store. Mm -hmm. And she, um, she called me and she said, Hey Miriam, I have this great idea. Um, I want to make like clothing with pockets because I mean, generally the idea came from us working in sales. So we never had like a place to put like our keys, our business cards, our pens. And we would see that like our male counterparts would get like somebody would come in and make suits for them. And they would be like really nice and have like fun lining. And we were like, why don't we have that? Mm -hmm. Why was that never offered to us? Um, 
So she said, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? And like, I think before she could even finish the sentence, my husband was like, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were on board. He was on board immediately. But I think we both entered our careers in sales, knowing deep down that we were entrepreneurs at our core. Hmm. And so within six months, I was aware of the fact that I was going to start a business. I didn't know what the business was. And so I started you know, I would write down all my ideas and I would run them by friends and family. And I started saving every single penny. Like I'm ta- I, I, like, if it was someone's birthday at the office, I don't know. I'm sorry, but you weren't getting a present. Like, I'm sorry, baby. I'm saving for the future. <laughs> so I, we, I feel like we knew we were going to create something. We didn't know it was going to be together and we yeah. didn't know what it was, but working together, I got to see a side of Miriam that I really admired. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see her just work harder than I've seen anybody work. Mm. I've seen her solve problems in such a, you know, direct, simple way that nobody else would think of. And she would solve it. Her memory is uncanny. She remembers everyone and everything. And I can't, I'll probably forget. I had this conversation. Like I have (laughs) the worst memory. So when the idea came up in my head, I remember, you know, at, at first, playing with the idea of doing it on my own. And then as soon as I thought about all the obstacles I had had to face and all the things that I have to do, I realized I really want a partner in this. And I could think of no one else other than Miriam to do it with because she embodies all of my, all of my weaknesses are her strengths. Hmm. And I wanted someone to compliment me and also someone who I was going to have fun with. And most importantly, someone that I could like fully, fully, fully trust. And mm-hmm. like she's my daughter's godmother. And mm-hmm. so I trust her. And I feel like whenever, like say we're doing a pop-up, I could close my eyes and she's going to do it in a way that I, uh, I'm i like, okay, this is done to the fullest. This is 110% done. Well, and two, it's really cool to me that you guys were able to work together. And Kim, like you said, you were able to actually see Miriam's, you know, the, the things that she brings to the table. And Miriam, I'm sure you were able to do the same for Kim. Yeah, absolutely. Like she said, we're complete, not complete opposites. Like we do, like we do have some similarities, but she's more creative. Her brain works differently than mine. So like where, like she said, some problems, like she has a different solution and I have a different solution. So we're really good at like talking it out, but also we're like best friends first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we're also just very direct with each other. Like we don't tiptoe around uncomfortable conversations. We just bring them up and, you know, like we, she gives me a lot of grace. Like whenever I'm throwing ideas out there, she knows that sometimes I just have to try it out and she doesn't interfere with that. She lets me try it out. And then she's like, okay, this is a way we could do it easier. But Mm -hmm. I think she respects me for who I am and I respect her for who she is. I I mean, I appreciate her for who she is. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, it's, it's so cool to hear two founders, you know, share in the excitement, both for the product, which you guys came up with, but also the relationship that you have. It's so fun to hear the details there. Now tell me this, what year are the rumblings of Power Woman coming together? What year is this? When did you have Sophia? Uh, I think it was it was 2018. 2018 when we thought about it. Yeah, we thought about it in 2018, and we were kind of like tiptoeing around it for a little bit because, you know, we were you you we were making a lot of money. We were safe right. and yeah. we were comfortable. We were tired, and <laughs> we knew this had we needed something to, you know, some a legacy. We wanted to build a legacy and we knew we had to do it elsewhere. But 
I mean, we were comfortable. And then I think what lit the fire under our butts was I got, I, I, I got pregnant and, you know, it was full disclosure, a full supri- surprise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew that if I was going to start a business, it had to be now because I don't know, like I had a feeling once I have Sophia, I'm going to be really tired. I'm going to be really overwhelmed. And I want to, I want, I'm going to want to focus hundred percent of my time with her. So I was like, let me just get this started to do this. And so that's where the rumblings began, but we didn't really put well, how do you say that in English? Like metal to the pedal, pedal to the metal, pedal to, yeah. the, pedal to the metal. Yeah. We didn't do that until January when we filed for our LLC 2019. Mm-hmm. And after we filed for our LLC and we, we spent some money on Power Woman, we're like, okay, this is real. This is real. <laughs> so we got to looking for a manufacturer and designing. And by September 5th, a month after my daughter was born, we were selling our first blazers. Oh my gosh. It's so fun to hear about Sophia's involvement in that you knew she was coming and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, we need to figure this out. And I love too what you just touched on the element of you guys put money down on an LLC. It's like, if I'm going to put money on this, then we're going to need to make some money on this. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about those first early days in brainstorming, because obviously we have senior product. It's so fun. It's so chic. And I know you guys even have more things that have, have come since then, but what did it look like for those early design days? Because you're really designing out of your own need that you both had experienced. Yeah, it was a lot, I would say it's a lot of trial and error. Like if you look at our first blazers that we came out with versus what we have now, it's like kind of made difference. Yeah. They're like, a lot better. Yeah. Like now, like even just like the next one and the next one, they just keep getting better and better. And we just like stumble upon like things that we didn't obviously think of from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning it was kind of like finding a manufacturer and getting samples. And I, I laugh because I remember when we ordered our samples from our manufacturer and we ordered like a large and a medium, it was like the size of like an extra small and an extra, yeah. extra small. Oh like, my gosh. It, it was not like the right size. So we're like, I mean, we didn't go to fashion school. We didn't, we don't know size charts. No. So then like I was literally going to like loft and like measuring like the bags and like the mm-hmm. like the sleeve lengths and I'm like, this is what we need to change and sending oh. that to the manufacturer. Because we oh. didn't know I, I mean, I wanna this is not to put it lightly, we literally didn't know a single thing about designing, yeah, manufacturing, yeah, textiles, none of that. Like when we used to Google um, how to start a brand, how to start a clothing company. I was like, okay, first you need a tech pack. And then I was like, okay, what is a tech pack? <laughs> and, then, and then you find out what's in a tech pack. And you're like, well, is that in a tech pack? <laughs> and we had like seven months. <laughs> yeah. So, so I scratch, I mean, I was like, I'm not doing this tech pack. Like I'm not doing this tech pack. I don't yeah. know any of the stuff and I don't have time to learn what someone learns in a few years in school in seven months. So yeah. I, I realized I'm going to look dumb because I'm going to send these little stick drawings to the manufacturer and I'm going <laughs> to, but I was like, I'm going to over explain like every detail. Yeah. So we sat down and we over explained like the shoulders, the sleeves, the biceps, the length, the material, the purpose, the intention, everything. We It's like we were describing a blazer to someone who had never even seen clothing before. Oh, and, wow. and so that's what we call it a fabric script, but that's how we were able to produce blazers at, Although they aren't what they are now, in the moment we were incredibly proud of them because yeah. they they were beautiful and and they came out of thin air for us. Mm-hmm. So um, once we got those blazers and got a chance to learn and more importantly have feedback from customers, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we take feedback so seriously. We literally, like when you give us feedback and it's valid feedback, we just go ahead and text our manufacturer. Like this mm-hmm. needs to be this, this needs mm-hmm. to be that. So those were like our, I guess our first steps, huh? Mm-hmm. It's just sitting down and thinking about what we wanted in our blazers. Uh, and not even think, and I think the fact that we weren't in design school made us so we didn't think about what was feasible. Because mm-hmm. when you think about what's feasible, you it, immediately you limit yourself. Like, okay, well, this is impossible. Only this yeah. is possible. We didn't know what was possible. We didn't know what was allowed and what wasn't allowed. We we're like, we want it to be cute. We want it to be stretchy, machine washable, and it's gotta have a lot of pockets. Mm-hmm. And we just and we just did that. Nobody was there to tell us like that's dumb. Women's mm-hmm. blazers don't have pockets. That's dumb. Blazers don't need to be dry cleaned. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. Well, and for you both to come in without any of that extra knowledge to tie you down with limitations. Mm -hmm. So you could actually come in and say, this is what we want. This is, you know, where we're going and to really create something super unique that Mm -hmm. I would say I haven't seen on the market apart from you guys. And so, oh yes, it's true. (laughs) And for you guys to like have this that you're stepping into and you're learning so much along the way, what was the original plan to begin those early sales? Are you guys up on Instagram? Are you on the website? Are you doing pop-ups? Like what was the original kind of push to find your clients, to find your customers? (laughs) Miriam, do you remember (laughs) on Instagram, our first photo? So when we came up with Power Woman, we knew we wanted we knew we wanted work clothes, but we first we were like, Look, what, if, what if we do pants with like a belly band? And then Sarah Blakely from Spanx was already working on that. And I was like, we're not competing with Spanx, babe. <laughs> I'm leaving that for later. And so later we're like, well, let's just focus on work wear in general. So we got earrings. Yeah, we did. And we took a picture of it. In, on like my kitchen table and that's like our first picture on Instagram and it's so cringe I, I, I left it up I'm pretty sure because I was like okay I want to remember like the beginnings that never looks like what you're actually doing yeah so, so I guess we you know like normal boutiques mm-hmm. we knew we wanted to design something but we knew we also wanted to sell other work clothes so we like went to New York and we went to like mm-hmm. a trunk show and we bought like $2,000 worth of clothes yeah oh. and that, it didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Those clothes, we, as salespeople, <laughs> as salespeople, we knew we just didn't have the passion to sell those clothes because, I mean, it, they didn't say anything about us. They didn't say anything our, about our brand. And I think subconsciously we knew that. So then we were still making the blazers. So after making the blazers, we just made that call. We we're like, we don't want to sell the, other people's clothes. We want to sell our designs and only our designs. And mm-hmm. we, could, we, we know that we could make these clothes a lot better if we were to just focus on the blazers themselves and then on whatever comes next. So we, Miriam's really good about this. Miriam invests in her education quite a bit. Hmm. Um, and she was the one that was like, okay, let's go to this, uh, let's go to this uh, trunk show. Um, I, it's not really called a trunk show. It's called a market, yeah. like a, a women's apparel market. And um, she kind of gave me permission to spend on my, uh, to spend on our education. Whereas previously in my head, I would have been like, we can't spend any money on things that we're not 110% sure on, which wow. means like we can't make mistakes. Right. And I think in her head, I think that worked differently in her head. And she was like, no, we need to try this and we need to try that. And so we did. And that's how we, we narrowed down our focus into blazers themselves and yeah. kind of next. And then else. we started 
well, we're salespeople, so we were like, how do we sell these? We have to do in-person pop-ups. Yep. So that's what we signed up for, I would say, like the majority of. And I was still living in Houston, so oh. I would literally have, like, asked for my day off to be on Friday. And I would drive, like, Thursday night, come on Friday to Dallas to help Kim. We would do, like, a pop-up event on Friday, and then we would pack up, and my husband and I would drive Friday night get like home at midnight so that I could be at work at 8 a.m. the next day. Yeah. And it was like that for a lot of weekends. Yeah. <sighs> Luckily I convinced her to move to Dallas and then, Oh my God, <laughs> I convinced her to move to Dallas. So we started power, like the first pop-ups were September, 2019. Like we did like, we tried to do like two every month. I, I think we, we, by that time we did probably four. Yeah. And it, they went so well. We were like, wow, like this is resonating so well. And as we all know, 2020 rolls around yeah. January. We hear rumblings of something weird happening somewhere else. Yep. And all of a sudden it hits us and everybody goes home from work uh, indefinitely. Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh, I don't need blazers. I'm working from home now. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you know, we've invested our savings into this. Like we, we, like I, we, we went, we knew we wanted this to work. So that was incredibly scary, but I, I don't remember ever feeling hopeless. I don't remember ever feeling like, oh, this is never going to work. I just yeah. remember being like, okay, let's dig our heels in. And I mean, we were trying, we tried doing a QVC type situation um, live on yep. Instagram. Yeah. We had to like pivot from like in person, which we're so good at to yeah. like online. And, and it was scary for us because what we were seeing on Instagram, people didn't look like us. Like mm. we're not size zeros. We're like, what are we like? We're I'm a size 10, you know? So like I, you know, it was kind of weird popping up on Instagram trying to influence and we didn't look like influencers. And so we had to get over that and we had to be like, we're going to come as we are. We're not about perfect aesthetic and, you know, looking a certain way. We're about come as you are. And I think, I think that's what made us you know, kind of not burn out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But we did a lot of that on Instagram and we started reaching out to people. I am queen of slide into your DMs, baby. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I've slid into everyone's DMs. Girl, I, I sent, I sent an app to how I built this, like how, how I built what? Like, <laughs> it was like a month yeah. into Power Woman. <laughs> oh my gosh. But see Kim and, and to both of your points, I mean, you had, Every single hill stacked against you. Like, I'm impressed that we're able to talk today after 2020. Because again, and listener, think of this. You guys really were thinking of people in person with clients from your mm-hmm. own personal experience in sales yeah. and, and the tools you needed to walk around an office, to run around a dealership, to have the tools to, to you know, be out and about. And so it's so impressive to me that you guys really took the time, energy, resources that you had. And it sounds like you really moved into those online sales. Now in 2020, are you guys doing anything different on your website? It it looks Mm -hmm. amazing, but what else, like what kind of momentum was there for you to move forward with on, on social and whatnot in 2020? There was absolutely no momentum. We didn't sell anything for six months. Yeah. Yeah. And that was so disappointing coming off from like having such like good feedback to like, like we were like, oh my God, this is going to work. We're going to be millionaires to like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Should we continue this? <laughs> it was zero momentum for many, many months. We had, because we were so new, we only had in-person sales. And when in-person was not allowed, we didn't have any organic sales. Right. And so we focused 
every, like I was, I quit my job in January, 2019. And so I was working full-time on Power Woman. And I remember during that time, all I was doing was SEO. Let me at least bring Power Woman a little closer to the first page. I mean, the second page works, you know, something, not the 10th page where we used to be. Right. And so I, I would go on my Shopify and behind every picture, do alt text and do mm. women's blazers. Women's, and I would put a bunch of words for every picture. And I would put women's blazers in as many places on our website as possible to drive SEO. I would do, like we would, we would actually um, do co-collaborate with blogs. So like we would write half the blog post and another a blogger would write the other blog post and that would That's also smart. increase our SEO. Um, we would do as many lives as possible. We were posting all the time with no end in sight. It wasn't like we were seeing results. We were right. absolutely not seeing results, but I think we had, I think we know like we're like, we're, we're like, you know, what is it called? Doggy paddling? Yeah. All the movements at the bottom and you, we just like don't stop doggy paddling. We're always moving and eventually in-person was allowed, but by then we were already having a little bit of organic traffic. We were sending out to influencers and we were starting to work with them and get to know them. And so by the time we uh, we got to do pop-ups again, our organic and our pop-ups were both kind of increasing at the same time. And now I'm so proud to say, I think we're mainly organic. Yeah. 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 Wow. And also... Oh like COVID, everyone was like shop small, shop small. So we were oh, I like know. featured like on the news, yeah, for free. Like uh-huh. we would reach out and be like, "Oh, we love, we like your story." Well, like, they didn't all reach out. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every oh my gosh, if you're a news anchor in Dallas, I want to go ahead and apologize for harassing you. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> because if you look far back enough, I was I was DMing you, but um, we. You know, there's the power of networking is Mm -hmm. huge. It's people underestimate friendliness and, you know, reaching out and, and, and being kind on social media and just, and supporting others without expecting anything in return Yeah, that comes back to you. And I think that's what helped us a lot is that we were like, okay, we're not doing a pop-up anytime soon, which means we're probably not going to sell a blazer. Let's just meet as many people as possible through this app, through Instagram. And how can we support them? How can we lift them up? And who else can we reach out to on this app that could maybe lift our voices as well? And that's what we did. We, we saw news anchors were, you know, they wore blazers and they're mm-hmm. on TV. So wow. we started reaching out to them and eventually they all know each other. So they would tell the news anchor at another station and that station would reach out to us. And then, you know, it, it just kind of spread that way. And those, those first, the first one we ever did was with Kara Sewell mm-hmm. at WFAA. Kara, uh-huh. you're the best. Kara gave us our first shot and we had no idea that many people watch TV at five in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. We were shocked. I cried. You uh-huh. cried too. Yeah, we, got so we were crying. We were crying. Oh my gosh. Okay. You guys, I I just have to pause and say this one is so much fun, but the genuine encouragement that you both give each other and even are giving me through this conversation is so like, I I am, I'm going to be smiling all afternoon because I love that. Yeah. No, it's so true. Um, because to hear how hard you both were working, even to the details of going into SEO and like coding specific things, like let's get a push, let's figure out how to push 
Where does this work ethic come from for both of you? Because to do what you both are doing, have done uh, your experience throughout your career, there has to be a real push behind you. What would you both say that is? I would say for sure it's like our families. Mm -hmm. So my grandma actually, she's like the matriarch of the family. I only ever have one grandparent. Mm -hmm. And um, my grandpa died when my mom was 15 and my mom was the oldest out of five. And so my grandma had five kids to raise and my grandma was an entrepreneur. So she owned a school. She was a doctor. Um, So she raised all of them and they've been really successful. And same thing with my mom. My mom was the only one that worked. My dad didn't work when I was growing up and she was a teacher. You know, teachers don't make that much money, but um, she just worked really hard for us. And I never, I never like saw I never like not had anything like my mom would always make sure that we were like fed and I was you know volleyball practice and do this Mm -hmm. and do that she like never once like complained I guess Mm -hmm. yeah one time I ended up on a cruise with all of 100 (laughs) of Miriam's family members by accident (laughs) well it felt like the whole damn cruise (laughs) everywhere I turned there was a Cisneros and Martinez? Yeah. Oh, Cisneros is your dad's last name, Martinez. Everybody was, ah, Ana Martinez. That is too funny. uh, We found out the day of, Miriam was like, are you on a cruise right now? And I was like, yeah, girl, party time. And she was like, I'm on the same cruise. (laughs) (laughs) It it was before we got really close. But to answer your original question, um, I come also from a matriarch-led family. Um, Every woman in in my family is an entrepreneur. And they're not just an entrepreneur. They're like, I mean, in Colombia, we have this saying called berracas. Berraca is like a woman who, I mean, she is just so bold and so ferocious. Like you cannot bring her down because she will, she will survive. She's a survivor, but she's also someone who thrives. And I can say that about every single woman in my family. They're all entrepreneurs and they're all incredible. My mother in particular, um, is my idol. I love her. And she had a boutique, she had a salon, she had a restaurant and she was a single mom. And so I saw her build those businesses up when I was a little baby. And it's just, you know, we underestimate how, how early kids on kids are left with imprints of like our actions and our decisions. I remember being like three years old and knocking door to door selling rocks that I would find on the street. Cause my mom was out there selling stuff like selling clothes <laughs> and And I remember she would be typing on our calculator, like doing the balance for the day with her receipts. And so I would grab a calculator and just start punching away at like four years old, trying to like be like her. I wanted to be like my mom in every single way. And then my stepdad, he's a surgeon. And something that, that I'm so grateful to him for doing is he instilled in me like this fearless and limitless dream Hmm. or practice of dreaming he is from the Andes and um, he didn't come from like a nice family name or a family with a ton of money or, or any money at, at all. Mm-hmm. And he came, he comes from potato farmers and he, he would tell people, I'm going to go be a doctor in the U S and people would laugh at him mm-hmm. and make fun of him. And he insisted and he, he was not shy about it. And he met my mother and my mother believed in him and and was also dreaming so wildly and so big that she and him moved to the US 
with her savings and with no guarantees. And um, they came to this country so that he could be a surgeon in the U S and we could have a better life. Mm. You know, the nineties in Colombia weren't like right. <laughs> one Yelp review, one star. <laughs> it was rough, <laughs> but you know, we came here and you know, it was a lot safer and the opportunities here were just so limitless and they, and that was so inspiring, but I grew up seeing them both kind of proceed just so fearlessly that that instilled in me a sense of like, just keep moving, keep mm. moving forward, work hard and dream like audaciously. And that's mm. where I got it from is from them. Well, I'm so grateful you guys would share th- those individuals and then what inspires you. Because again, I couldn't help but say, okay, hold up ladies, where does this work ethic come from? So for you guys to give such awesome credit to your families and, and to those who've gone before you, it's really, it's it's amazing to hear. It's amazing to hear. And I I really just wanted to say, I think Kim, you, you said, you know, you guys were working during 20 with no end in sight. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes to show just the the discipline and the encouragement we can all take from from your story that it's like you guys were continuing on and mm-hmm. it paid off. So we know that things started to open up. You guys are back in person and you also have this online momentum. Mm-hmm. But I would love to know, is there any instances throughout your career that you'd say maybe failure actually helped shape it? Oh, yeah. I've got lots of failures. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, personally, I've had a lot of failures in my life. I don't really think of them as failures as more than just pivots. I've had a lot of pivotal moments in my life. Hmm. I mean, I went to medical school and I didn't graduate, you know, I had to drop out. Um, It wasn't, it was for reasons outside of my own making, but at the end of the day, after I, you know, it was my decision at the end of the day, like I decided that I wasn't going to go back to that situation in which I was in. And so for a long time, that felt like a failure and, I, when I started to, you know, really be self-aware and realize you could have been a great doctor, but be honest about who you really are. Like what's inside your, not to be corny, but what's inside your heart, you know, Mm. what do you really want to be? Like if you were to exploit your natural talents, what are those natural talents? And, you know, entrepreneurship is something that I couldn't keep denying myself. Mm. Um, And then with empowerment, girl, so many failures, but again, like that mindset shift made us stop looking at it as failures and more like, okay, this is a learning opportunity. Like, wow, we paid a lot less than going to an MBA for this, you know, for this learning opportunity. So we, one of the recent ones is we made pants Mm -hmm. and our manufacturer, you know, we were going back and forth on samples, like girl, so many times, uh, because we're very picky about sizing and, um, at a certain point they were like, listen, we need to switch up the fabric because we're going through your production fabric to make these samples. So let's switch to this other sample fabric. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. And then production time came along and they never switched it back to the original fabric. So uh-huh. we ordered hundreds of pants. What? Oh, not hundreds. It was like a hundred. 175. Yeah. Yeah. Of <sighs> pants, not cheap. And they got here and they weren't the right material. They weren't the right fabric. I sobbed, I sobbed, I sobbed, I sobbed for so long and I didn't know what to do. And then Miriam and I were just like, we have to be honest with our, with our, you know, customers. We can't sell these. We can't can't Mm. put our name on these, even though it'll, I mean, it costs us a pretty penny and we didn't get any money back. We had to just produce the right ones, you know, um, we just donated those pants because they're still good pants. Yeah, right. They're really nice. They actually felt like Juicy Couture pants, but they weren't, they weren't the look we were going for. We wanted something with more structure. 
Um, but that, that learning opportunity just taught us before production, no matter what, and no matter how long you've known your manufacturer, get that sample girl, Yeah, get that sample. <laughs> um, we yeah. also had a really, we also had a really good one because when we first started making our blazers, we knew that we wanted to have like fun, feminine lining. Mm-hmm. And the line, the fabric that we were finding, we were just finding that it kept like ripping. Yeah. And like people would be like, oh, I love my blazer, but my lining ripped. And mm-hmm. we were like, oh my gosh, okay, how can we fix this? So then we like found this different fabric that we really, really liked, but we didn't know what to put on it. And so the manufacturer's like, well, you can print whatever you want. And that's when we like stumbled upon um, artists. Artists, yeah, like local Dallas yeah. artists. So that was a that was a fun little accident. We had no idea. I'm telling you, we didn't we didn't know anything about manufacturing or textiles. So we're reading as much as we can, but when the manufacturer told us this, our brains just like exploded. We were like, we can print anything on our lining. So we were, the first artist we worked with was Kenzie, Kenzie Smith. Her at is at Kenzie Creates, Kenzie Creative, Um, Kenzie Creative. And we saw her at a pop-up market and we were like, no, you saw her at a pop-up market. Yeah, we love your paintings. Yeah. And we put her painting in mm-hmm. our green velvet blazer. Yeah. And then after that, people just loved it. And then we're like, who else can we find? Who else can we partner with? Who else can yeah. we empower and show their art Yeah, um, in our blazer? That was really important to us when we were working with these artists is, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We, were, we weren't selling a lot of like, we weren't selling like millions, millions and millions of blazers. We were still starting out. So we didn't have a lot of money, but we wanted to do it right. So we had a lawyer who is our lawyer now create a contract for us to work with the lawyer, with the artist and create a licensing agreement. And also we wanted to compensate the artists fairly. So we let them set the price. Oh, like wow. what, do you, what is your art worth to you? And that's what we're going to pay. And if, and if it's too much or it's out of our budget, we'll just put a pin in this, but we're not going to ask you to, you know, to bring it down. Mm-hmm. We're not. You guys, y'all are amazing. And, and I would love to know because, and you guys have just been so generous with your time and, and with your thoughts. This, I always love to preface, is a little bit of a loaded question, but I'm very curious to hear your answers. What would you guys say is perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned? Oh, Miriam is so, she's just, she was pointed at me. She wanted me to go first. Okay. <laughs> I'm questions first. Oh my gosh. Fine. Too cute. Um, biggest lesson, you know, when we first started this, every blog and every book we read was like business plan, business plan, business plan. And I think the biggest lesson we've learned is you, you make your own rules. You have to really be honest about how your brain works, how you are most successful and follow those steps, right? there is no rule book. And and that's really hard to kind of go away from, like to kind of walk away from is the rules that have been ingrained in us since like preschool, like things are, things are done a certain way. And when you step out of those ways, you realize there are so many ways to do things. You're, I mean, the creativity and the problem solving just expands exponentially when you, when you realize those rules are made up, hmm. like, you can't wear pink to the office. Who, who said that? Who said that? <laughs> I want to know because I've got something to say to them. And so when we were making the blazers and when we were making, you know, the company, it was a risk to make the company itself so joyful color wise, our color story is joyful because 
yeah, a lot of people could say those colors aren't professional, but the only reason you're saying that is because you've been told those are the rules you've been taught. Mm. If you were to go with those rules, is the woman wearing the blazer professional? Then the blazer's professional. That's it. That's it. And so when we look back on how we created Power Woman, we didn't have a business plan, but that's not how we work. That's not who Miriam and I are. We're not like, we don't sit down and, and write the whole thing out. We write down a lot of things, but we don't, we don't like we like to make sure to leave room for happy mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, was that Bob Ross? He used to say that. I don't know. <laughs> a happy mistake. I think it was. Oh, RIP. Um, that's my biggest lesson. My biggest lesson would be to like, don't be afraid to say yes to opportunities or like, don't be afraid to try things because like, we've met so many people who have like helped us along the way and, you know, vice versa. We've helped people out, but like we know so many people through Power Woman mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm like if we wouldn't have started Power Woman, like we wouldn't have these like networks and like Amazing. friends mm-hmm. and like who we know. Who are who who say our name in rooms we would never find ourselves in if it wasn't if it weren't for them. Yeah. And because of these networking and these connections, these genuine connections we've made with these women, they're bringing us with them. And that is such a privilege to just like work, we get to be with them during their promotions, during, during their, you know, negotiations, during their successes, whatever that success may look like for you. And that's a really big privilege. And then um, there was actually, this is something that I struggled with at the beginning quite a bit. As an entrepreneur, you forget that you make your schedule. Like I used to struggle so badly with that. Like, oh my God, I have to breastfeed Sophie and I have this event and I have this meeting and I have that and and I can't do it all. And I'm like, well, you don't have to, you're your own boss, move <laughs> it to the next day, move it for an hour, there you go. do it later. And taking back that control and being more in sync with what I want to do and what I need to do and not just things to be busy and look busy. That really helped me enjoy entrepreneurship and not just go from one, you know, one job to the next job. I love to the point of knowing women you would have never known if you hadn't launched your company and then finding your product in places that you likely would never be in for, Mm -hmm. because that's the realm that that woman is in. You know, it's, it's very similar. I feel such a connection to you guys in regard to the podcast. It's very similar. And I Mm -hmm. love, um, Miriam, I think you were just mentioning that, you know, you have met so many people throughout the time that you had the enthusiasm and the willingness, you know, in 2018 to move forward and, and to build this. So, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm like obsessed. I'm so excited (laughs) about everything that you guys have coming up. I know you have a lot, um, around the corner. So tell us what's next for you. So we just dropped some like one of our favorite collections they're so fun um so these are their names they all have they all have their unique names we have a blazer in this beautiful just like super hyper feminine pink and her name is uh bbe big boss energy oh we have blue crush so so bbe actually has lining it's artwork from shannon skates and she's in la and then Blue Crush, it, the lining is a painting by Kenzie Smith. And Blue Crush is after the movie Blue Crush. And it's got the, this cool surfer girl vibe. It's a light oh. blue, like an icy blue. It's so gorgeous, so soothing. Um, we also have a 
purple pink plaid, which is like the most clueless share thing ever. So we <laughs> had to name her as if um, we have a classy, like just the coziest blazer with a bell and it's called the archer. Um, oh, and is a twin sister to our old hunter. Yeah. yeah. And um, then we have um, this new blazer that is so near and dear to, um, I, I think my heart, because you know, it's comes from my culture. It's called La Palenquera and La Palenquera uh, Palenqueras are women from the coast of Colombia, and they are one of our cultural icons in Colombia. They are these beautiful Afro-Latina women who wear these, you know, very joyful gowns, dresses, and they walk from their town uh, to Cartagena, San Juan de Basilio. I forget the name, San Juan. But they, they walk to Cartagena, mm. and they, you know, they usually have carry fruit on their head. But they, you know, go there to make their daily money and they notice that the tourists really enjoy them there. So they would go and take pictures as well. But they're one of our, our cultural icons. And so this lining is a, is a reflection of that. And it's a painting by Chira, who is another local female artist. And the exterior is this just pop of endorphins. It is this gorgeous yellow. And it just reminds me of my childhood. It is just Everything that's beautiful about Colombia, it's welcoming, it's lively, it's happy, and it feels like home, like you feel comfortable in it. So mm-hmm. um, that's what we have right now. And we do have some more coming up. I, I made a deal with Miriam today that I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to design <laughs> any new blazers for six months. <laughs> been put on notice. <laughs> so we have one more blazer that uh, is coming out and then... I've got to chill out. Guys are such great saleswomen. I'm already picturing all of them. I'm like, yes, yes, I love it. And the names, (laughs) all of it, you guys. It's so fun. And this entire conversation has been amazing. It's been so fun to unpack your story. And I've just loved every moment. But is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? Um, Well, oh, yeah. We want to cover something really special. Um, Little backstory. Oh my gosh. When I was, okay, back in 2018, I was really moody, a mean, moody gal. And my husband was like, let's, let's explore taking out your birth control and see if that will help your mood. And I was like, you know what? You're right. It's, it's probably, it's probably my birth control. Called Miriam. I was like, Miriam, I'm so nervous because I'm not good at planning or schedules or dates or calendars. Um, I was like, Miriam, what if I get pregnant? Like, I don't feel ready. I'm so scared. And she's like, girl, you're old and you have savings. I was 28. She's like, you know, we're not like 16 and you have savings and you work really hard and you have an excellent support system. If you get pregnant, I'll get pregnant. She said to me, (laughs) I was like, you know what? She's right. You know, as long as I have her as a buddy, I, I, I feel comfortable. Well, lo and behold, a month later, it turns out I was pregnant. So I called her and I was like, put your sneakers on girl. Cause you about to be pregnant too. You said, and she bailed on me. She straight up bailed. And so I was alone and pregnant. Well, I, was, I had my husband and my family and right, right. all my friends and, <laughs> and everybody involved, but, um, she didn't get pregnant with me. So I have been begging her for a baby for three years. And guess what? She's pregnant. 
She's having a baby. Oh, Miriam. <laughs> oh, it's the best, you guys. And it's so fun. Oh, That's what's coming up just as much, it sounds like, Kim, for you. <laughs> I know. Everybody keeps saying that. I feel bad. but she, like Everybody keeps congratulating Kim. I'm pumped. <laughs> I'm, this baby's mine too, dang girl. <laughs> it just goes to show that's what best friends are for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I, I mean, when she told me, I did like, you know, the ugly sob oh. where like no words come out and you're just kind of like convulsing. <laughs> what I did. I had to go in the bathroom and pull out. Oh, well, again, yes. Congratulations, Miriam. That's so exciting and and likely one of the best what's next for you guest answers that we've had. And it's been incredible to hear not only your friendship and your story, but also like you've mentioned and and how you guys have done so lifting up other artists and other women uh, in your life. So I'd be curious to know, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? We have so, I mean, this is our favorite thing to do is to put another power woman in touch with other power women. So um, one of the women who we've been interacting a lot and she's become a friend of ours, her name is Christiana Yabra. She has a, um, she's a CMO of a really cool company. It basically predicts, like it takes it's like uh, like micro betting, but it takes sports, which is number one, really cool women in sports. Yeah. So she is um, the CMO of this company that basically analyzes the, the data of players, of games, of sports, and allows you to make these micro bets on players or on plays, like tiny ones, um, as the game goes on and in real life, in real time. So she, and not only that, so that's just like one of her accolades. She is so empowering. Like she brings our name up in every single room she's in. She is constantly trying to help in whatever way she can giving us advice because she's gone through, you know, several companies, successful companies that she's been able to sell. So she's been really just a a blessing to be around. Um, And as much as she celebrated us, we want to celebrate her as well. So Christiana Yabra is the coolest girl in Dallas. Yay. Oh my goodness. Well, such a great recommendation. And you all have to stay tuned for a potential episode with Christiana. It's called Team N Venue. So it's N Venue. That's the Instagram is Team N Venue. But they, it's a really cool concept that I've never heard of. I mean, granted, I don't touch sports. I don't know anything about I don't know if it's a goal, a point, or a, a a goal. (laughs) I don't know, girl, but she's doing cool stuff. Thank you for such an awesome recommendation. And I know many listeners have likely already found you guys on Instagram. Perhaps they're over on your website, picking out a new blazer, but where can listeners connect with you? Our website where you can pick up a power one blazer is www.pwr.com wmn.shop that's powerwoman with no vowels.shop and you can join in our shenanigans on Instagram where we are super transparent about what it's like to run a business when you know nothing about business it's at pwr underscore wmn and um yeah my cell phone number My bank account, my my PIN number. (laughs) You all have to go ahead and find these amazing ladies. And I have to say such a fun Instagram follow and all the things they've shared today. It's true. Encouraging other women, lifting each other up. And I just so appreciate your time today. So ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Yeah, this is such a bucket list item. Thank you so much for having us. This is so cool. We cannot wait 
to listen to this episode on repeat and send it to all of our 100 family members in Mexico and Colombia. You You translate this, right? You have it in Spanish too? (laughs) Honestly, I thought of that during the call. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Sponsored by Docent. Head over to shopdocent.com and use HSDT15 for 15% off. I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers or better yet, the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you soon.